Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your host, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. It's good to be with you. Father, how is life? It's been a few days since we've been in touch with one another. <laughs> yes. How's life? Father Shane, life. Life is going. You know, I hate. I don't want to dodge the question, you know, like a good politician with another question, but everybody and their mom wants to know how you're doing in St. Louis here in Sioux City. I see everybody. And Father, how is How's Father Shane doing? And I say, I'm like, he's good. I think he's, I think he's doing well. Is that the case? No, it is. It is. The first few weeks, I, I moved into the seminary three days before the men arrived. So those first couple of weeks was a little overwhelming. And for people who don't Learning understand. Doing the job as everyone's in your face, like asking me questions. Yeah, and for people who don't understand, we kind of mentioned it briefly before. You're not a professor, but as the vice rector and the kind of the dean of seminarians, it's like <laughs> probably what you do most than anything, right? Besides, I mean, there's all this stuff that, of course, you have to do in your office, but guys just ask you for permission for stuff, and you usually just have to tell them no. That's kind of your job. Like, I mean, to be fair, like, yeah. No, I am the dean of students, but I'm the vice rector for administration. Help yes. out with some of the staffing issues around here. Uh, we're working on the new implementation of the PPF six, which we're not going to get into right now. But, but it's a whole nationwide. It's thing a big deal, affecting seminaries and in, in the future formation of clergy. We've also we're preparing for the seat conference that St. Louis is hosting here in January. Yeah, woo um, There's a lot going on, but we'll get into that in another episode. We will. That's great. Um, you asked Father, me how I was doing. I'm yeah, doing well. Hey, you tell know, me, tell me what's new. I've told you. You know, this is kind of kind of shaken out here. But um, Lexi Ricky, your campus minister, my good friend, campus minister right now, she introduced me to Community Liberation CL. If you're cool and in the know, and you say, I mean, we have this school of community here in Sioux City, um, CL. Community liberation is a it has nothing to do with liberation theology. It's a lay movement in the church, not unlike the neocatechumenal way or focolare, if anybody knows what those are, um, Opus Dei and some of these different movements in the church. But we had a, a fascinating experience where we had a beginning day, um, which is kind of kicked off in the fall, uh, often that regional groups of schools of community come together and have this kind of beginning day, kind of like a little day retreat um, kind of encounter moment together. And usually there's a video that's that's from um, kind of one of the movers and shakers in the movement in Italy who offers kind of like a, a reflection to go off of. But this year was really interesting. There's a lot of a lot of change, some politics about the kind of administration of this movement in Rome. But the those in the kind of higher up in the movement, they asked for an audience with Pope Francis a couple of years ago. And he said, yes. So just whenever this comes out a couple of weeks back in October, um, Pope Francis had a, a big audience in St. Peter's square with 60,000 members of uh, community liberation. So we got together at this um, beginning day um, in your old stopping grounds in Fort Dodge, um, utilized uh, St. Ed's school library, which I'm sure he spent <laughs> plenty of days, uh, Walking around, hanging out in, and then we use that beautiful little chapel for a, for a little mass in the back of uh, the wonderful new Holy Trinity Church. So that was that was great. But what was so interesting was um, to to be addressed by the Pope. Like I'm not even like an official kind of member of the fraternity of this group, but I've been kind of living this this method with my with my friends in this community for for a while, like five months now. And uh, yeah, it was a wonderful uh, opportunity to kind of experience 
the Pope's particular care for a certain group of the faithful. Um, so wonderful time groups from uh, a small group from Sioux Falls and Des Moines met us. So we had kind of this little regional uh, uh, beginning day, which was kind of That's nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, shout out to Lexi Ricky. For, I mean, she's really the founder of bringing uh, a CL community to Sioux City. For the first time, yeah. For the first time and bringing uh, young adults uh, to that way of life. Uh, it's certainly within the Catholic Church, but a particular focus and a, and a particular intentionality on one's discipleship through this, you know, Italian movement under the uh, under the founding direction of Monsignor Giussani, right? Don Juice, as they say. That's right. <laughs> and what I think what so many Americans don't understand is that in the European Church, yes, they have parishes, but the the kind of the the lay led uh, and ecclesial movements within the church are much stronger. Um, and you mentioned a number of them earlier. We don't have quite that same robust identity of lay movements within the the U.S. Church. There are certainly pockets of that, and we see that spreading more and more here throughout the Midwest. So I, I'm glad that Sioux Falls, Des Moines, Sioux City, you know, CL members could gather in Fort Dodge and, and have a really robust experience, knowing that they're part of a much larger universal church. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited to keep walking with it. It'll be good. Good for you, well, Shane. What do you have for us? Uh... This, this I'd like fine to get episode. into um, this fine, fine episode. What I want to get into, Father Travis, with your esteemed permission, <laughs> I would like to quote a homily that I heard a few weeks ago from our rector here at the Kenrick Seminary in St. Louis, Father Paul Hazing. Father Paul. He's my boss. Uh, and I'm not quoting him just to suck up. Uh, it's, a, it's an excellent insight here. Father Hazing is a priest of the Archdiocese of Omaha. He's in his eighth year on the faculty here at Kenrick. And I have a lot of affection for the guy. I was there four years. He was my vice rector for the four years I was at Kenrick. So, yeah. Yeah, very talented man. Um, he began his homily... <laughs> In silence. With the phrase... With a, with a, with a direct <laughs> stare. <laughs> well, he, did have, he did have the silence. He does kind yes. of like the pregnant pause yes. at the beginning of his, of his, uh, his homilies. To I'm, just I'm let sorry the, to distract, but that was just too good of like a... You just teed it up. He began his homily... With a huge pause. Anyways, how did he begin his homily after the pause? After the pause, after the the pregnant pause by which everyone could just enter into a spirit of recollection, he started by talking about person versus project. Person Mm. versus project. Okay? And he went on to talk about, you know, with great spiritual insights, the fact that uh, we're after a person named Jesus Christ. And, and I think in the, in the faith journey, this gets uh, overlooked very, very easily, even by the strongest of, of faithful Catholics, the strongest of faithful Christians, that so often we can fail to remember that we're after a person and not just simply a project. And what I mean by that is we don't just simply do religion, right? We don't do religion as if it's a club. We don't do religion as if it's a... Um, a formula that has to be enacted and that once we master the formula and once we enact certain parts and get our lives in, in conformity to this formula, well, that all of a sudden everything is just going to be a bowl full of cherries and that Jesus will be pleased with us and we will pat ourselves on the back and we will feel awesome because somehow we have constructed this, this fabricated sense of spirituality that we construct, right? And that's not at all uh, what the Christian journey is about. Uh, we are much more committed to a person. Does that make sense? Yes. And, you know, I I was just bringing up this whole experience of CL just because it's what I did 
last week, um, and you didn't really tell me what we were going to talk about beforehand, so this is fresh. It was a surprise. That's exactly... It was a surprise. That was exactly... They don't juice. Uh, <laughs> that was exactly what, what, G, what Giussani was, was leaning into, right? So when he started this movement in the 50s, um, I mean, the church, it was like full churches, but as he was in education, working with seminarians first, as you are now, Father Shane, realizing like, wait, these guys are getting to the seminary, and they they know a lot. They know the project. They know a lot about the church. They know a lot about theology, but they don't know they don't know the man Jesus. They don't know the person of Jesus. They haven't. And he uses these buzzwords that every member of CL knows. But it's like the encounter with the event that is Christ. Like he talks mm-hmm. so much about his own conversion. He's like, Jesus bumped into my life. Like this man who dwells among us. He's present, right? And he's a real person. Uh, so yeah, I've just been kind of imbued with this this uh this language recently and then this thought of just am i meeting the person of christ um and is he is he encountering me um as a person or is it just an idea so that's a big thing you kind of use that person versus project that father hazing talked about but yeah is it just this project this idea um and then maybe just a second piece i know you know so much about this language of maintenance to mission that's been talked about for a while, but now, you know, our diocese with kind of a mission board recently and some other discussions has been, it's been in the water. Um, a great conversation was being had uh, in a meeting not long ago that I was at that uh, somebody made a comment and said, attention to the person, to the individual is mission, but attention to the kind of institution, the project, the idea of kind of keeping a thing running. Well, that's this kind of maintenance model, right? Absolutely. So all that to say, that's resonating with a lot of what I've been kind of thinking and talking about recently. Yeah, because when we're, when we're focused on Jesus, we're focused, as you say, on the person, not the project, not just simply an institution. And who is this person? Well, he's not a guru. He's not just some historical figure. He's divine and he's human, 100% human, 100% divine. God coming to us as event on earth to meet us in our incarnational realities, dwelling among us and from within the human family, taking on our condition in all things except sin, and then with the, the explosion of that event, um, defeating sin and death permanently mm. with the Easter mystery, right? That whole event that, a, that the person of the incarnate Savior, the second person of the Trinity on earth, that whole event is whom we are to encounter. And that's who Monsignor Giussani bumped up against, right? Mm. He didn't bump up against an idea or some historical guru who kind of wrote a few little catchy phrases from from ancient history. He bumped up to the divine living Lord who continues to encounter us, not only through the history of our, of our salvation, but in the present moment, in real time, we keep bumping up into this divine and, and human Lord who seeks to insert himself into our, himself into our lives yeah. and, and to really mold us in his image and likeness according to his grace. Huh. Uh, another Father Hazing homily going back now a few years, you know, coming to mind because it's the same man who's speaking these uh-huh. words. But he gave a beautiful homily at the Advent Novena that you're going to be able to experience soon for the first time, which is a, a beautiful tradition at Kenrick. But, um, you know, each you'll probably get to preach on uh, one night, I hope. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll I haven't see been invited happens, yet. Yeah. Uh, often it's, you know, the guys preach on the O antiphons that are used in the context of this Novena that anticipates Christmas um, from those kind of O antiphons starting December 17th, but there's, there's an extra uh, night because the real novena would end on Christmas Eve, but we move it over, you know, up in, in the semester in Advent so we can do it before we go home for Christmas break. But the one he preached on one year was, uh, 
that Ecce is how it started. And so he started his homily, Ecco, talking about Italian, mm-hmm. saying, Ecco, look, like this. And behold. his whole homily was, Behold, look, this, right? It was, he was here, now, this. Like, that's where God meets us um, in the flesh, in the, in the real of our life. But that reminds me, too, a homily I preached recently for our high school students. Um, I, I, honestly, I took your lead because it was just still in the liturgical calendar of having a mass for persecuted Christians. So I just said, well, easier not to change the you know the liturgical calendar plan. So you were preaching about that today, but what was coming up in my heart as I wanted to offer was, okay, so you know what do these high school kids in Northwest Iowa care about persecuted Christians? They don't feel persecuted. What do they care about it? And I just kept coming back to this reality of indifference, the indifference that's present, right? And like faithful Catholics now feel so outcast from their families and friends, especially the high school students that you've worked with and now I work with who are faithful. They feel so outcast from the indifference of their friends. Like that persecution is, it's, it's just as consistent. It's just a little bit more insidious and kind of from the ground up. But this is the thing with this indifference that's kind of permeating our culture right now. It's so easy to be indifferent to an idea or to a project or to an institution, right? It, you can just kind of passively be indifferent to it. You don't really have to say it's bad, but you don't really have to say it's good. You can say like what you just said. Okay, yeah, Jesus was this nice guru who had good teachings, good ideas, and it more or less kind of affected like Western culture and it made us kind and whatever. So that's like a good thing to think about and know. And then just think about if as God is God or, or his, the incarnation of Jesus or this idea of kind of the ubiquitous Holy Spirit as just this idea, Right. Well, that's really easy to be indifferent to because there's lots of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's very difficult to be indifferent to, like, a person in front of you. Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been invited by the missionaries of charity to do something, but my friends who've been invited for them to like, give retreats, they will ask you, be like, be like, and Father Shane, you will give the retreat, right? Like, no, yeah. like, no. <laughs> like, like, you just can't, you can't say no, right? But there's something about, like, a face-to-face encounter with another person. It's so difficult to be indifferent. You have to say yes I want to uh, receive you. I want to respond to you. I want to like, you know, give you an, an assent of my, of, you know, my, I have to make a decision in this moment. Yes or no. But when you're just a, an idea, you're just a kind of a project over there on the side, well, it's very easy to be indifferent and not even to say yes or no, but just, to, oh, it's fine. I think there's a lot of providential things that the Holy Spirit is stirring up in this conversation because just this morning I had Mass with the missionaries of charity and after the Mass, their superior asked me to give them a retreat. That was literally you said yes. You about, had to say yes. That was literally about 14 hours ago from the time of recording this right now. Okay, and I, I have encountered the missionaries of charity before in Rome, St. Paul, uh, Denver. I've done Masses for them here in St. Louis. And, and I knew that the, I knew that the, uh, the requests were going to keep coming. And, and it was literally just 14 hours ago. Um, Mother Teresa just is said, just interceding from heaven. She's just like, good, she good. <laughs> good. Um, you, you said that very well, that it's very easy to get indifferent about an idea. It's not so easy to get indifferent about a person. Um, and if, if any of our listeners out there, Catholics or fallen away Catholics, you know, might be really struggling with this idea of indifference, um, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I seek to live like Jesus lived? Do I seek to live as he lived? And in fact, do I seek to live as he's continued to living in heaven? Uh, Do I seek to take on his attributes? Do I seek to walk in his shoes? I don't think that's a question that you can just kind of shy away from with a great sense of indifference. 
if, if you really do believe that Jesus is divine and if he is the savior of the world, does your life conform to his? I think that's a much more poignant question than just simply asking, does my life stack up to that idea or that project over there in the corner that people told me I should kind of be passionate about? That's very different. So if your understanding of, of the Christian way of life, if your understanding of morality, if your understanding of a life of prayer and a life of discipleship is following an idea that you just feel like you're being hustled into, that someone is selling you a theme, if you will, uh, I really want to challenge our listeners to say, no, I want to live according to the person. I want to match my identity according to his uh, I want to be in union with him. And in fact, I want him in his shared spirit, who actually is the third person of the Trinity, to to live in me so that I can fully embrace this sense of living with the divine. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot there that's really helpful. You know, our recent episode with our interview with Katie, she talks so much about the need that she has, right, that is or isn't being answered by the church. But that's so important because when we pay attention to our own, our own identity, our own understanding, our life as a person, right? Okay, Jasani's going to come back here. He talks so much about how when we stand in front of Christ and we look at him and we call him you, we develop more of an I. We develop an understanding of I am in relationship with, with you, with Christ. And I have a need. I have this infinite need that can't be filled by projects and ideas, but can only be filled in relationship by this person, right, who's bumped into me. Um, It's so easy to reject this kind of Christian upbringing if it's just a project or an idea. Because even if we're the best Christians, we're never going to, like, fulfill this project perfectly. And even for the best Christians, we're never going to meet this ideal of this kind of idea of Christianity, right? There's always going to seem like there's holy rollers higher than us. And there's always going to seem like there's worse sinners lower than us. So it's really easy to just drift away like so many of our friends and family members and maybe some of our listeners have because uh, we're not paying attention to, yeah, what's the need of my heart? What's my actual need as a, as a human being, as a person? Um, mm-hmm. And does that develop an eye in front of another, in mm-hmm. front of him who is the satisfaction of my need? I'm in front of Christ. Um, and that, that reality of indifference between this kind of project in person, Father Giussani also said, Christ, yes or no? It's like, you got to make the mm-hmm. judgment. Like, is he going to fulfill my, is he going to satisfy the need of my heart and am I going to follow him or am I not? It can't just be the indifference, right? But at the level of a person, you have to decide. I'm either going to follow this person or I'm not going to follow this person. Like every apostle, I right. love in the cathedral where you got to celebrate Mass for so many years, those beautiful stained glass of the apostles, right, holding the big instruments of their martyrdom. Like those men, they met the person of Jesus. And they, mm-hmm. they responded to that question with a yes. Peter responded with a no eventually, right? They, they all left him besides John. But then they responded with another yes and came back to him and followed again. That's our invitation, it seems. Yeah, so it is. That invitation to encounter the person is always there, uh, despite our own sinfulness, despite how far we wander away. Uh, if there is any element of a project in all of this, you know, we do obviously have the task of building up the kingdom of God here on earth. We do have the, the task of, of wanting to build up unity among Christian believers who then they themselves make up the mystical body of Christ on earth, right? Mm. Church unity is you know, is a reflection of our union with God. Uh, but that, that project in and of itself is a very small project to the first encounter with God. 
And if that first encounter with our union in, 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 in and with him isn't solidified, then the project of trying to create church unity here on earth, uh, it's going to fall flat and it's going to seem a little shallow. Yeah. Uh, another shout out to one of our, uh, I would say one of the most faithful listeners we have is Father Tim Friedrichson, pastor of Sacred Heart in Sioux City. Uh, you gave me a helpful correction uh, recently, Father Tim, when I was going off on something, a similar topic saying like, it's about the individual. I said something like, you know, Catholic identity doesn't I- exist in the abstract in the project, but it, it, it exists in the individual. And you, he, uh, Father Tim appropriately corrected me and said, but it also exists in the community. But I think that's a great mm-hmm. connection that you just made, Father Shane, that if we're not encountering the person of Christ as a person individually, then we can't do it as a community and vice versa, right? If we get lost in the project of what we're doing, if we get lost in the project and he's just like this kind of um, equation that we're trying to fix and kind of work through. And we feel this way in pastor planning right now. We feel this way in evangelization. We feel this way in these topics that we talk about. Of how do we form priests to you know be evangelists in your work? Or how do we, how do we meet young people where they are uh, and how do we meet them at the level of person or a level of community? What's well, gotta be on this level of the person as Christ has revealed himself to us. Mm-hmm. Well said. On that, we'll leave it you know, for our listeners to just kind of you know, let that settle in their hearts. It's always good to be with you, Father Travis. Let's keep chasing after the person uh, with great intensity and not ever reduce him to a project. God bless. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.